It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast, broadcasting live today from Russia's other capital, Berlin. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're unfortunately not live, but I am in Berlin. Um, my the host Manu Vef, as always. Exciting, exciting podcast this week because um, we have the final of the Russian Cup wrapped up. We have the Russian season wrapped up. So lots and lots of topics this week. And helping me to do these topics, Tim. Um, you know, I might be in Berlin, but I feel very separated still. You know, you're still hanging out on the West Coast, but I saw you post some really cool pictures the other day on the Football Grad account. Um, tell me, how is it going over there? It's going fantastic. The weather is just fabulous. It's proper summer. The weather is just amazing. The Everyone is in, in good mood. And I went to see um, what I believe is the third tier of Canadian football, which sounds absolutely horrible, and it was in terms of uh, football they played, but it was a beautiful summer uh, Monday night, uh, and I think the, the league called this Player Development League, a local team called TSS Rovers played versus some big team called Lane United, probably as football hipster as it gets, but it was a beautiful view, and it was good fun, and it was sponsored by Parallel 49, which they, a beer, a local beer company, which produces great beer, so I got a few of those. Fantastic. Yeah, I love the pictures. I, I saw them. Of course, I woke up and I saw them on the account and I said, wow, good job. So good for you, Tim, to get those out. I think they were really appreciated by everyone who follows the, <laughs> both the Instagram and the, the Twitter accounts because they, they were great pics. Yeah, so, so good stuff. Um, joining us to do this this week, as always, or as often as possible, Andrew Flint. Andrew, how's it going? You, I reckon you're in Siberia, but you've been traveling so much. It's been really hard to keep a track on where you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm still in Siberia. I just have to check out the window. Um, but it is getting a bit disorientating because it's getting nice and warm now. So uh, it doesn't feel like it is. But yes, I'm in Siberia. Everything's good. Um, yeah, today today is a very, very good day um, because it's the Football Grab podcast, of course. But, mm. um, but actually, more to the point, um, plans are coming together for the tournament for, for me personally. So I know my itinerary will be a bit more precise. So... Um, yeah, it's sad to wave goodbye to the domestic season, but you know, there's that little tin pot tournament coming along to make up for it. So I can't be too sad. I can't. I don't have no idea what tournament you're talking about. No, no, it, it's, it's not. It's not very relevant. It's actually um, starting in London, um, the Kanifa World Football Cup. Um, <laughs> I was after that, sure up. you meant that one. No, I'm just joking. Of course, we're going to have big World Cup previews coming up. Um, in the coming weeks, but of course, before we get there, we have to wrap up this domestic season that was, I would say, it was really was full of surprises, both in the league and in the cup, because I want to actually start with the cup. Um, and we've talked about this cup final between Tosno and Avangard course quite a bit, but there was another twist in this tale, wasn't there, Andrew? Because Tosno ended up winning the cup, but they forgot to hand in some very important paperwork in the end, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Paperwork, as we know, is very important in, well, not just Russian football, but Russian life in general. And um, I'll, I'm going to be perfectly honest. There's no point dancing around this. I, I don't for a second believe they just simply forgot. That may be the, the line they put out. But we all expected, realistically, didn't we, that Tosnor or Avangard, whichever one would win, would there would be some reason why they wouldn't be able to play in Europe, um, whether genuine or not. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the case. They, there's paperwork wasn't submitted. Um, 
and um, and now it goes to Ufa. And this, I'm kind of torn at this point because the the idea of a race for sixth place being worth something in Europe, I think, really opens it up because. In a way, there are some parallels I see between the Russian League and, and even the English Premier League. In England, we always talk of the big six because there are six teams that finish pretty much every season in the top six places. And in Russia, you could pretty much say it's the top five. Um, whereas if you open it up to six, that mid-table is always very close and suddenly the entire table becomes very competitive. So would you even consider saying just take the Russian, the European place away from the Russian Cup um, I wouldn't because I think it's a, a valuable thing. But for Tosnov, yep, the adventure, I mean, <laughs> the euphoria goes from a European adventure to, well, I mean, we'll get into more detail of this, I'm sure, but there's even even talk about Tosnov's future um, as a club full stop. Um, their funding from the Leningradskaya Oblast has been pulled, so where they will get the money for next season, who knows? Um, so, yeah, what a, what a roller coaster. Um, but um, in the end, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I know it sounds harsh, but I wasn't. Tim, tossing the art with a bang, literally. Because, <laughs> you know, without giving away too much, but they've been relegated and there's been all sorts of rumors flying around that they, maybe the team gets moved. Maybe, you know, I heard that, that Sochi rumor um, that we originally with Dinamo St. Petersburg, that Tosno could be now a possibility of them going there. There's talks about them being dissolved. So is the cup win out? with a bang for them? Yeah, it looks like, unfortunately, it is because uh, it seems like they have significant financial issues and when that starts, really, the, those stories start to come out and, um, yeah, like moving to a different city, dissolving the club completely. It's a young club, so there's not that much history. They don't really have a powerful sponsor like Lukoil or Gazprom behind them. So, really, there are massive, massive questions and, like you said, they're out with the bank. Yeah, winning the cup, Regardless of, um, you know, that all the Premier League teams, uh, most of them got, <clears throat> got out in their early stages. It doesn't really matter for, for those players. They made a uh, massive achievement. Um, the one thing, uh, which, which I wanted to mention about the, the cup final, which was a big issue. And I think I don't really compliment. I don't really say, say, say any good. Uh, things about Russian FA, but this time they did brilliantly. The final was in Volgograd and they distributed the tickets for free because obviously Tosna versus Avangard Kursk wasn't really the big, the big headline and it would have attracted a few hundred people, but they did a great job to promote the new stadium and also to promote the cup final. It was a great atmosphere. It was a great game and for the players winning the cup. Um, in such a wonderful conditions, it, it means a lot for their career, regardless of what happens to the clubs. It, it's an achievement, again, regardless how it was achieved and regardless that it was uh, against an FNL side. It's, it is, it is a, a trophy, it is a, a cup title for the players. Uh, but really, there are so many questions about the existence of the team, um, about the young, talented coach, Dmitry Parfenov, who did fabulous work um, with the team. Um, but that's, that's, that's how Russian football is. Uh, you know, sometimes a cup winner uh, could be could be dissolved next year or could be moved somewhere or there are questions about their existence. So welcome to Russia. But um, in general, like we don't know yet, there's no clarity. And as usually with, with Russia, it's everything is done kind of under, under the carpet, under the table. Uh, eventually, we'll find out what happens to them. But regardless uh, of that, we just need to congratulate Tosna on this great cup final victory. Yeah, the pictures of the Volgograd Arena were absolutely stunning. You know the, the the images that they they pushed out on the on the RFPL homepage, Russian FA homepage, and then of course um, we have access on Football Grad on Getty, right? So there was a lot of images in Getty as well, just fabulous. Um, it it looks like a beautiful stadium. I mean, um, Andrew, you've been there recently, right? And it is that the facility mm. is just absolutely magnificent. And Tim, I agree one hundred percent with you. To to say let's create, okay, this is not a headline match, but let's open it up for everyone, open up the tickets so that people are going to go and they can test the facility because in the end of the day, that's what they wanted to do ahead of the World Cup. Exactly. Right? So exactly. a really, really, really smart move. Yeah, and I, I'm, Volgograd looks like a, a stunning, stunning place for football. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with the arena afterwards because I, I understand there's a lot of question marks about about the team in Volgograd as well, something that, Andrew, you can maybe touch on later down the podcast. Um, but yeah. uh, the facility itself stunning. Um, so yeah, at least that is uh, a positive. 
and you know out with a bang. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens with Tosno, right? Um, yeah, let's go. Let's go and move though, guys. I, I don't want to linger too much um, on the Russian Cup after this because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Russian Football Premier League. Now, um, first of all, huge congratulations to the champion Lokomotiv Moscow. They have wrapped it up. They won it. They actually won it on match day 29. It's just that we didn't cover it because we had a special on Greece. Um, so I want to do it right now. Um, they actually wrapped it up last match day. Huge congrats to them. Andrew, that's a magnificent achievement, isn't it? Um, by the club, oh. by Samin, by the coaching staff, everyone involved. This, this, is, this is a fantastic story. No, it, it really is because last season and the seasons before, really, the last decade, you could even argue, Loco have been so far off the pace realistically. They've all, you know, they've, they're a huge club, but they, you know, this is why I think it's such a good achievement. Um, that the personnel has not changed dramatically from last season. It's just simply, um, Siemin has had more time to bed in his ideas and to, to put faith in the Mirantrup twins in particular. Um, you know, to get the get the most out of players, some players who are coming towards the end of their careers. Um, but if you look at the actual starting lineup, okay, realistically, Jefferson Farfan, okay, he arrived at the end of last season, um, and um, you know, Solomon Kirkvelia made his his move permanent, but he was already there the season before. Um, Anton Miranchuk really is, I'd say, the arguably the major addition to the to the starting lineup. Um, but he was already at the club. I mean, there's not really a lot of personnel that's changed. Ari joined, but was injured for most of the season. So um, I think that's why it's one of the best achievements I've seen in some time. It's not like he came in and spent 90 million euros like Zanit did. No. Um, it was just <laughs> simply very, very good yeah. coaching, some very talented youngsters. Um, faith in some older players. Like Igor Denisov has been a, well... Controversial character, shall we say, for some time, but um, he matured into a, an absolute brilliant leader, um, and they've deserved it. When I've seen them live this season, they've been a very, very slick side. They all know their jobs very well, um, very committed, and a very, very talented side. And they are launchpad, hopefully, for some of the younger players like the Marantrick twins in particular. Yeah, no, I want to highlight the Marantrick twins actually because they're, they're one of the big discoveries this season, right? And and they both made the preliminary World Cup squad. We have to still say preliminary because it's not the final World Cup squad yet, right? So, uh, it was an interesting interview of, uh, Stoffelshaus in the German magazine Kicker yesterday, um, about, oh, wow. um, about this, the locomotive winning it and just the state of Russian football in general. And you could really tell that he was quite proud, um, of the, the squad that he put together as the sporting director and the fact that they were actually able to get more and more young talent to get through it, uh, and sort of do the same work that he did at Schalke beforehand. So that's maybe a key personality to really outline there as well, right? To say, okay, well, Semin did a fantastic work with the coaching. But Stoffelshaus really put together a good squad um, with not a lot of money. This is one thing that he said, like, look, we signed Jefferson for fun for nothing, right? We had um, Denisov, we brought him in for almost nothing. And then we had players from our own academy. Um, Quick Velia, they, they didn't spend a lot of money on him either. So that's, they really, they really did put together the squad on a shoestring and, um, maximized the results. So yeah, I think a very deserved champion, um, all around. And I think it's very interesting how Stoppel's house has really changed the mentality around there. And they're not an easy club, right? Tim, that's something you always highlight. They, they're not an easy club when it comes to the atmosphere between management and the president at the time. Yeah, it is, and it's it's still going. Nothing really changed. They still um, um, pick each other in the interviews. Uh, Eliad Gerkos and Yuri Semen, especially Yuri Semen, because he he ha he's now in the winning position and he is the coach who who gave the the trophy. Uh, but uh, even yeah, with all the success, there's still um, disagreements and there's some different opinions between Eliad Gerkos, who is the president of the club, and Yuri Semen. Um, so it's 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 still unstable, but regardless of that, they are the champions and they are the the, the most deserved uh, team who deserve the the trophy this year, in my opinion. Even you know, as listeners know, I'm super biased towards another Moscow club, but I I believe that Lokomotiv Moskva is the 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 best uh, club to win the the most deserved club to win the trophy. I wanted to speak a little bit more about Yuri Semen. Um, I've just looked back and a little bit analyzed. Um, 
locomotives history and over time they had good lineups it's not like this lineup like what what Manu was saying that this lineup is like Zenith they came and spent money it's they always had a strong lineup they never were the best lineup in the team but they always had like top five squad in the league always because uh, they have money they have they have ability to pay uh, good salaries and they always had good players but for the past, what was it, how many, 14 years or 12 years, something like that, they didn't win the league. 14 and they years, didn't, yeah. 14, they didn't really have success. Um, they missed out on European, um, like on Champions League, obviously, on uh, Europa League. That was consistent. So, really, since Sermon won the league last time, they didn't really have any significant success. They had a couple of years and they were in contenders. But really, uh, the job he's done is just unbelievable. And I just want to highlight, nothing really changed in terms of personnel, that there was not massive influx of people or money, uh, what Manu said. Uh, it just it just shows that, you know, that old school coaching legends, uh, they still they still do the job. Uh, we see example of Tarkhanov, Yuri Semyon, uh, those those coaches who has been around for a very very long time and who are still the product of Soviet coaching school, they they still deliver results and um, it just it just it just really you know good and proud for for Russian football to see those legends to deliver uh, regardless of their age. Semyon is seventy years plus, but he he has the experience and he showed that he he can deliver results. So I'm have a lot of respect for Yuri Semen and uh, Lokomotiv is the most deserved team this year. Yeah, I actually when, when I did the who was the locomotive sa- season summary, I compared it a little bit with Jupp Heynckes with his work at Bayern, right? Also another yeah. very older coach coming in and sort of showing the young laptop coaches that football is quite a simple sport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, base, exactly. The, basics, the basics win it, right? <laughs> it's it's a really interesting how that it's sort of um, really the thing that we learned this year that uh, these older coaches coming in and sort of like, look, it's it's simple, um, it's very simple. Yeah, so really, yeah, that, that's a good comparison, Manu. Like, it's a very similar story. It's not in terms of the club size or success, but in terms of an old coach coming in and just delivering the success. Well, I assume it's way easier to win the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich than with the Lokomotiv Moscow RFPL, but still, that's the same idea, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a very good comparison. But look, boys, I wanna, I wanna move on to the, the next section, which is, of course, the, the Champions League teams. Um, second goes straight to the group stage, just like first. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, um, second, second round of the yeah, Champions League qualifying. And, um, Tim, we'll get to you in a moment, but, because uh, <laughs> you guys bottled it. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah, let, let Andrew talk about CSKA. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's go to let's go to <laughs> Andrew on CSKA because they finished second, yeah. and that's actually quite an achievement. Yeah. Quite an achievement as well, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And I I wholeheartedly um, support what Tim has just said about Yuri Semin. Um, he he deserves infinite amounts of praise, and I really do pinpoint him as the reason for their success this season. But you can also say not quite to the same level, of course, because they didn't win the league, but you know, Tisco Moscow finishing two points behind the champions with one again one of the smallest squads um, is is a testament to Viktor Goncharenko. You know, and some young players uh, bringing through Christian Bistrovich after he arrived in the winter. I thought he did brilliantly because he was a complete unknown and he's now turned into a genuine option uh, for their midfield already. And I've just, you know, I've seen this week that um, Bibers Narko, Pontus Vernblum, they're off. They're leaving the club this summer. Um, Alexander Golovin almost certainly will go. So it's going to be a huge, huge upheaval for them this summer. Um, but they're a club that somehow always finds a way to get back into the Champions League and to, even with a small squad with low resources, they, they somehow make it work. Um, but yeah, they, they've been, they've been fantastic. And, uh, it's, it's just what side we'll see next season. And I, I fear a little bit for them because they, they just simply don't have the money to restructure. They're going to have to probably dip into their, um, academy even more. But like I say, that's one thing Gontrenko's done well. He's balanced progress in the league with bringing through some young players, uh, like Konstantin Kuchaya, for example. He'll feature heavily next season. So yeah, a lot of credit to Gontrenko. Um, 
And um, yeah, I don't think they could have expected second place beginning of the season, but they've done it again. Yeah, let me actually add something to, to what Andrew said, because um, I believe that uh, we, we've been saying for the numerous times that uh, Ceska has a very thin squad, and really they play with 12-14 players all the season, and I think uh, that it was, a part of that it was to good academy this year, to the success, but it was the big part that was that they had experience in the team, they had the players who they can count on in the tough moments, it was Ignashevich, Berezutsky brothers, it was uh, Wernblum, who is a very experienced player, and uh, obviously Igor can faith, but um, what could happen this season, and this is what I'm kind of fear for CSKA as a neutral uh, football grad uh, person, that um, Berezutsky brothers and Sergei Ignashevich might finish this season. There's still a chance it's not announced. Uh, it was announced that Bibras Natho and uh, Verblum are leaving the club. So right now the club is losing a lot of uh, experience. Maybe even those players didn't contribute in terms of football uh, that much this season because they just didn't play as many games due to their age or injuries or yellow cards like in games with Verblum. But... Um, a big core of experience is leaving CSKA this year and we know that they don't have enough financial capabilities to bring to replace all those players so the next this this is a big transfer window for CSKA and a big season next year because they would have to deal with that um, departure and um, it's it's a big job for Gancherenko next season. So it's good. It's like it's uh, all the hats off to them for this season. But um, in next year it will be interesting to watch how the sky will change. Yeah, and of course in the Champions League as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of football to be played with a very thin squad. Um, Ignacevic, of course, um, I think it's official that he will hang up his boots at the end of the season. He's gonna actually play the World Cup or potentially play the World Cup. He's in a preliminary squad now too. Um, that's an interesting one, I find. But yeah, that's probably going to be his last hooray, right? After that, it will be over. Um, he'll retire at 38. Um, you know, it's, it makes sense. But yeah, next year, Champions League, that's going, they will have to, they will have to make some significant signings. They're not going to be able to just do the academy. So exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely, uh, something to keep an eye on. Um, Tim, your side, Spartak, um, also in the oh. champ, hopefully in the Champions League, they have to play two rounds, two rounds to get there, right? Um, to become the third Russian team to reach the, the Champions League group stage. It's a lot harder next year to get to the Champions League group stage because of the Champions League reform. Half the spots are going to the, the top four leagues. Um, the rest is between all the rest of the European leagues. So they have to play two rounds, um, not against any of the big countries though, Tim. That's good news because all the big countries will be straight in, right? Yeah, like the we opponents, we have like we have Portugal, Portuguese teams, uh, Turkish teams, uh, Czech Republic. So it seems doable. But um, going back to the phrase you used, Spartak really bottled the end of the season. Uh, we lost uh, the fight for championship in a game again, two games against Ural and Ahmad, um, which were should have been winnable games and would have given the team six points, which would have been enough to compete for, for the trophy. Uh, we bottled um, the cup, cup in the semifinal against Tosma, again, at, which is on paper, was a winnable game. And we bottled the straight um, spot in Champions League against in, in the last gear match derby against Dynamo Moscow. So those four key games which uh, against not the strongest opponent really just uh, made the season not not as successful as it could have been Spartak was fighting for the for the trophy um for to to win the cup to win the the league uh, and uh, we ended up being third so that that end of the season wasn't really good uh it's a big transfer window which is coming up for for Spartak there's there will be a lot of changes it looks like Taski, who is, was one of the main central defenders, is leaving. Uh, Mario Pashalic and uh, Maksimovic, who were on loan, are leaving the club. Uh, there are rumors about some other players. So it will be a big window for Spartak. Massimo Carrera announced that he wants to buy a, a, a Russian passport um, middle fielder, central middle fielder. That kind of speaks, puts the question about uh, Denis Bushakov's place in team. So there's a lot of things right now happening about around Spartak. The club wants to uh, to complete lots of transfers before the World Cup starts, but it's not that easy because the clubs understand that, um, you know, you can make more money if you sell the player after the World Cup. So it, there's a lot of things happening around Spartak. Um, uh, but Massimo Carrera stays for at least another year. He has the full support from the club. And as of right now, the club announced that the first uh, goal for the next season is to make to the group of the Champions League. 
Yeah, I mean that's that makes sense, right? Champions League has to be the one, and then probably compete, yeah. compete for the title again next year. Uh, I want to real quickly touch on Glushakov. Is he really injured? Is that the real reason he's been left out of the squad and also not in the uh, main squad for Russia, Tim? Yeah, to me that's a personal tragedy because I think that Dmitry Kambarov and Denis Glushakov deserves at least to be in that uh, not final but like the the twenty nine player mm-hmm. list. Um, to me, it's a personal tragedy because I, I think they both deserve and given some other options which Stanislav Chachesov picked, I don't think uh, it's fair to leave those two players out, especially given the, um, the young age of the team and that they will need, um, experience in the dressing room. Right now, they kind of balance the average age with Ignashevich, so it's not a big issue as of right now, but, uh, they still need experience in the dressing room. Denis Glushakov has been on the Euro and on the World Cup. He knows how it is. Uh, same goes for Dmitry, Dmitry Kambarov. So, mm, to me, yeah, he's, he's, um, in terms of injury, he is really injured. Uh, that's, that's not an issue, but it's not an injury which he, he'll keep him away from the World Cup. He is already pretty much ready to, 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 to train. Uh, so he will be available for, you know, to get to do all the, the pre-tournament training. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's a good decision by Stanislav Tichesov. And that's my personal little tragedy because I, I both, I, they both deserve to be in that squad and I see a spot for them, maybe less for Dmitry Kambarov because he has good, um, competition for, for from Rausch, uh, from other players. Uh, but, uh, Denis Glashakov must be in the, in, in the squad and I, I, I really disappointed at that. But, um, um, no injury. There was some questions about it, but sorry, there is an injury. It's not, it's not, it's not fake. Uh, there were some questions about that, but really he wasn't really training in the last time. He he was training separately from the team. Okay. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that because, I mean, he's on the reserve list. So you never know, right? It's still, it's still some time to the World Cup. And I want to actually cover Russia when we do the big previews for the World Cup in more detail. So um, yeah, it's something that we can discuss, I guess, next week when we start doing the previews. But for now, I want to yeah. move uh, on to the next two teams. Uh, kind of do it in bulk. Fourth place, Krasnodar, straight into the Europa League group stage. Thanks to that cup spot going back to the league. Um, I would say that's a success. And then Zenit also in the Europa League, but not into the group stage. They are playing the third qualifying round. Um, I would definitely categorize that as possibly the biggest shock of the season, right, Andrew? Well, I mean, it's, it's got to be up there. Um, if you were really being cynical, you could even argue that Zenit have been... Uh, well, a, a trouble club, should we say, up and down club the last two or three years. But yeah, that is a, it is a big shock. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked about the effect that, you know, the type of manager that Mancini is, the, you know, the big name foreigner, he's come in, he's got a reputation for being fairly stern with his players. And I, I see so many similarities. I've said it before with, with Luchescu, but these problems are bigger, I think, because I think Mancini's ego is just so, so, his mind was elsewhere for, for most of the season. And to have a squad already with Zanit's squad, and then to add all of the talent they did with Leandro Paredes, Driussi, Kranvita, um, even Zabalotny. I know Zabalotny didn't score well, but I still think he was a good signing. Um, all these new players that have come in and to draw so many games. I think that's, I think that for me is the worst part. Um, they they just drew so many games and so many of them were nil nil. I think they had about eight or nine nil nil draws all season in a thirty game uh, league. It just it's absolutely shocking. Um, so yeah, for Zanit to miss out in Champions League for them is uh, it's not being it's not being arrogant. It's not saying you know from their point of view anyway. It's not it's not being a bit too self centered to say they should be in the Champions League. Not out of divine right, but they really should be. The quality they have. Um, the stadium is fantastic and everything, and, and they just didn't deliver. So yeah, big shock. Um, what isn't a big shock is the way that Mancini went. Um, we all pretty much knew about that for months, to be honest. Um, and what remains to be seen, of course, is who comes in and strong, strong, uh, possibility that this will be Sergei Samak, which we've talked about before. Um, he went into a boardroom meeting with Zanit officials, um, three days ago. So, it seems very likely he's at least near the top of the list, if not top of the list um, altogether. So I think Zanit, they've got a lot of problems that need sorting out, despite their wealth um, and depth. So we'll see what happens next season. 
I think Sergey Simak. I know Paul uh, Saul Pope wrote an article for FootballGuard.com, um, hoping that it could be Simak, right? Um, also, with, of course, with the caveat that it could burn his career if it goes wrong. But I think it's a, almost a logical decision um, because the 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 big expensive foreigners haven't worked. They don't understand the league. Roberto Mancini didn't understand the league. Messia Lugesco, even though he came from Ukraine, where he where he was coaching a club of a similar stature, didn't understand the league. Um, I think it might be time for Sinead to just get with the trend and hire someone who actually understands what he's doing and understands the competition. Because you look at what uh, Simin did at Lokomotiv this year, right? This is a guy that understands the league like no one else does. And ended up winning it um on a shoestring more or less so i think it's a it's a logical logical decision in a lot of ways if if it is cmac i think it will be very logical um i think when it comes to mangini and all the things that went wrong we covered that in great length in previous podcasts it's been a it's been a kind of like watching a slow car crash um really from the moment he was hired Till, till the the moment he was announced as the new Italy head coach, um, I wish the squad Rossero all the best. Uh, I, I can I tell you it's, it's not going to end very differently than this. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, I I wish them all the best nonetheless. Um, so let's you know what boys. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's finish the Sydney chapter there. I think we've mentioned and talked about it in great length. I want to really talk about some of the other things that happened on this weekend because there's there's a lot of other good stories, and this is maybe one of my favorite stories. Is what happened. Um, you know, we mentioned it in the past that the sixth spot will likely go to the Russian Football Premier League, um, the as a Europa League spot because we all assumed Spartak would win it. That then, of course, didn't happen. And then, of course, then Tosnell ended up not handing in their paperwork um, or forgot to hand in the paperwork or didn't want to hand in the paperwork. Pick one of the above. Uh, <laughs> um, and then that means the sixth spot, again, um, is a Europa League spot. And that's that's a great story because that ended up with, in the end, with Ufa. So, which I think is, is fantastic that that spot ended up with Ufa. And, you know, that's uh, maybe the story, one of the big stories of the season, isn't it, Tim? We're going to see Ufa in the Europa League next year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of became somewhat official. Uh, it's a good story for them. Again, like we just spoke about Sergei Simak, who potentially will leave the club. But yeah, the job he's done is just is just unbelievable. Ufa is a very uh, young club, uh, kind of similar to Krasnodar in, in this reincarnation and this version of the club. Uh, the club comes from a fairly wealthy region, but still Ufa is not a, a wealthy club. Uh, but um, the job they've done is just unbelievable. They use a lot of young players. And before Simak, there was um, Viktor Gancherenka, who works now in CSKA. And he is known for working with young uh, players. Sergei Simak kind of took that on. And he also developed quite a few young players, uh, one of their biggest talents. Stotsky moved to Krasnodar. And that shows, again, that you know that the talent they have in Ufa is 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 on the market and people are interested in them and just in general really it, it was it was fight it's funny how the fight for the final europa league was between mainly uh, ufa and arsenal tula the two new small clubs in russia which like nobody i would have never guessed that this could happen but you know it's it's good job to both clubs um one club uh, and i'm talking about arsenal tula has the coach which is similar to yuri sermon very experienced miadrak bozovic who i believe coached seven teams in russian premier league who knows the league in and out and um, another coach, a young uh, Russian talented coach, Sergei Simak, who is loved by everyone in the country, regardless of the club which you support, you respect two players in, in the Russian history. It's Sergei Simak and Andrei Tikhanov. Both players played for a few different clubs in Russia, but they have unlimited respect. So therefore, everyone is happy for Simak's success. Everyone is happy for Ufa because Simak is in 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 the lead leader, like the the 
the man behind the success. But we we'll, we have to see what happens next. I don't think personally that Tofai is capable and have enough European experience to make it to the group. But I obviously wish them. But we also would have to see what happens in with the coaching position and uh, with uh, with the players uh, coming up next season. But regardless of all that, that's an unbelievable achievement for such a young, uh, fairly small club. Yeah, Andrew, you have to play two qualifying rounds to get to the group stage. Um, that can be difficult. There's some going to be some big name clubs in that. Especially, you know, in that in the playoff round, the final round to get to the to the Europa League. Do you think they have enough to do it? And though know, C Mark um left a huge resume. Um a resume that could give him mm. the Senit job. But that also would mean that again Ufa would have to find another coach that again can fit that philosophy because they do have quite a strong footballing philosophy, don't they? Where first Goncharenko and then C Mark and a very well-run small club, um, like Arsenal Tula as well, by the way. So, you know, almost um, positive positives in terms of how to run small teams in Russian football. It, it's still, you know, losing some of your talent, losing the head coach potentially. That's going to be some a difficult task, um, given everything that's going on. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely will be. And it, I'm kind of torn between two two thoughts here, because... Like, like we mentioned, Simak's done, uh, done a very good job by making Ufa so hard to beat at home. Um, and again, you know, they have, they have a decent record of, of finding young players. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing, uh, the, the young Kazakh fellow, Yekud and Sedakmet, um, develop next season. Um, and Semak seems like he would be a good man to, to hopefully bring him through. So, you know, Semak's earned the right to be considered for the Zanit job. Um, but then again, Ufa in Europe, what could be more fairy tale than seeing Semak see it through at least a European campaign? Don't forget, Ufa is, is a club that only started, again, you talk about young clubs, only started, what, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, they, would they have enough for a Euro- European campaign? If they held, if they held their squad together, um, losing Stotsky is a big loss, but I imagine they will, be looking for replacements already. If they could replace Stotsky in the squad, then there's no reason why not. Um, it's uh, I don't know. Realistically, if Ufa got to the group stage, I, you, you couldn't imagine them uh, getting out of the groups. But they've earned the right to be there, so why not? I mean, we've seen Dundalk from Ireland make it to <laughs> yep. the league and, and plays in it, and not just plays in it, but runs in it close twice, home and away. So. You'd argue Ufa are a better prepared club than that. So, you know, why not? Um, for me, possibly it hangs on whether Semic stays or whether he goes. Um, and I'd be honest, my gut feeling tells me he will go to Zanid. Um, but you never know. They are the club that, that, um, gave Zinchenko a second life, if you like. And they've yeah. got young players. There. So, so is every possibility. Yeah. They, 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 that's the thing. They have done this many, many times before, haven't they? You, you underline Sanchenko and they seem to be just a really good breeding ground at the moment for players and coaches. Um, some really good work that they're doing. My question is, and this is, I mean, do they have the infrastructure to be allowed to play in Europe? Um, be, we're really curious. I mean, Tim, do you know anything about that? Is their stadium ready? Is their grounds ready or would they have to move their games? Um, I'm not 100% sure, uh, but they have a, they have a fairly small but fairly modern stadium. So I think it actually might work because a couple of teams use that stadium as a backup stadium, um, for the Russian Premier League, but I'm not sure if it qualified. If it's not, they will play in Kazan because it's, it's very close and it's definitely a stadium which qualifies. Yeah, the Kazan Arena is, of course, beautiful. Um, Andrew, do you know anything about this? The, the, the infrastructure, et cetera? Is that ready to host bigger games? Well, I, I'll be honest. I'd be very surprised if they um, if they did host their, their a lot of their games um, in Ufa. I, I would imagine it would be like Tim suggested in either Kazan or yeah, or poss- possibly even in Moscow. I don't know, but mm. um, just simply simply because of the size. I don't know the exact specifications of UEFA licenses for stadiums, but the fact that they did get their license suggests that perhaps it is sufficient. Um, it's certainly not. I'd, I'd imagine it's certainly big enough. Um, but Ufa is not um, certainly not the easiest city to get to, uh, and it, it's a reasonable way east for well, for, you know, for most European teams to go. So. I'm sure there'll be pressure um, to make them play in a more 
convenient place. I, possibly it will be end up being Kazan. My gut feeling tells me that if it's in the qualifiers against a small club, they might be allowed to get away with it. But if they, they come up against a bigger, richer, wealthier, more influential club, mm. it might be moved to a bigger and slightly more up-to-date venue. And the Kazan Arena, well, you know, it's... I would say, in a way, it's not a bad thing, um, simply because it's making use of a fantastic facility. Um, and, you know, if they manage the game well and get a good crowd in, it could be a very intimidating atmosphere because the, the Kazan Arena is a, is a fantastic, um, stadium for atmosphere, very closed in and steep stands. So that's how I think it would probably be. Um, so depending on their opposition, really. Yeah, I personally want the teams to play their own in their own facilities when they get to Europe. Yeah. Um, Östersund, of course, they played in a relatively small stadium and they were allowed to play their home matches. So fingers crossed that you know Ufer gets to play, let's say at least the majority of the games. I think we have seen in the past that Russian clubs um, play a certain percentage of the games in their own stadiums, and then of course when the winter hits in late October, November then they sometimes have to move their home games to places like Moscow. And then I guess in their case, it will be Kazan. Um, hope, fingers crossed, that it doesn't come like that. Um, because I think you lose your home advantage quite significantly, don't you? Um, if you if you get your teams, if you game, get your games moved, and if you're a small club, you need the home advantage. Um, boys, let's move this on to the medium pack. We had um, Arsenal-Tula finish, of course. Andrew, you mentioned them. Arsenal-Tula, they were in that race for the Europa League spot. They didn't quite get there. Um, one point off uh, with 42 points. Then um, you had Dinamo Moscow, Tarek, Ruben Kazan. Um, that's the that's the middle pack. Tula, Moscow, Tarek, Ruben Kazan. Um, and then at 11th spot, I want to get to the, the real juicy bits now, guys. Because... <laughs> because that was basically the where the relegation race starts, right? Um, basically... From, uh, do we put Ruben Kazan there? Not quite, eh? But, um, starting with Rostov, and Andrew, I know you followed this quite closely. Tell us a little bit about this relegation race, and it really involved in the end, uh, Amkapam Ural Rostov, um, to really settle it, who was going to go into those relegation spots, or relegation playoff spots, I have to say. Well, actually, to be honest with you, Manu, the final day, it really did include uh, everybody up to Dinamo Moscow. Um, you know, D Dinamo got, um, was it 10 points in the last four games? Um, and their shock win over Spartak lifted them up to eighth place. But um, had had certain results gone, uh, had the permutations worked out, it could have been... It could have been any anybody from Dinamo down who could have been in the relegation playoff zone, and it was uh, it was nerve wracking. Uh, let's put it that way. Now, of course, I've got you know Tim has a slight slight tendency towards liking Spartak Moscow, as we know, um, and I have similar similar um, affections for Oral Yekaterinburg. Um, and that last day, Oral played Rostov away and Rostov needed that win to get out of the relegation playoff zone. Amkar Piem drew at home to Ahmad and they I've never seen a more well I say one-sided game. Ahmad had a man sent off and Amkar who are not known for their goal scoring prowess were absolutely battering Ahmad all match long but just couldn't find that single goal that would have saved them and uh, would have put Oral into the relegation zone. So I mean, I don't know. On the last day, at, at any at certain points of the day, it could have been any of about six or seven teams that could have been drawn into it. So, um, I mean, the Russian Premier League this season has been absolutely fascinating in all areas, genuinely all areas, because pretty much every single team was playing for something on the last day, other than Lokomotiv and Skarhabarovsk. Um And in the end... Thankfully, I'll be honest, um, for me, Amkar Pierre are in the relegation uh, playoff zone. I, I expect they'll probably pull through over the two legs against Tambov. But nevertheless, it's um, it was a dramatic last day, and that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the relegation promotion playoffs on a separate thing. Um, stick with the with the final uh, standings. So, Amkar Pierre uh, and Anshi Mahachkala, they are in these playoffs. Tosno and, and uh, uh, Ska Energia Habarovsk, straight down. Boom, uh, relegated. 
with Habarovs, we've seen it coming for quite some time. They were the first team to be relegated. With Tostum, we kind of suspected it. Um, the cup winner relegated. Uh, we thought that maybe they're going to play in the Europa League as a second division side. That's not happening. Uh, oops, paperwork. And, um, you know, it's... Man, a quick stat about Sky Energia Habarovsk. In 2018, they didn't score a single goal. So they played 10 matches in that um, second half of the season, the second third of the season, they scored zero goals. That just shows <laughs> the reason they got relegated. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they had no business being in this league, right, Tim? When you really, <laughs> yeah. when you really, and this is this isn't just the travel. Right? I mean, we look at the traveling. Uh, we had an article at the beginning of the year, and uh, I I put the distances together. It was 161,000 kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that because you know, go on footballgrad.com and look for the article. It's there. Um, we have the the miles calculated together, but they traveled a lot. But if you don't score a goal in all of 2018, that's not just the travel. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the, the I mean, you know, guys, wouldn't guys? I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind just saying one little thing about Skarhabotsk. I mean, the statistics are utterly desperate, and like you say, Tim, that is a quite shocking statistic. 16 goals scored all season um, <laughs> alone is terrible. But, and I, and I, I'm only saying this just to be fair to them for a moment. Um, a lot of their defeats have come, have been fairly narrow. They have battled. They've been fairly close. Um, they missed a penalty, I believe, in injury time against, I think, was it Dynamo Moscow? They missed, um, and, yeah, yeah. you know, it, I mean, it, it's, they just, they seem to be not actually as far off getting a few more results as it looks. It looks like it was a, you know, dead and buried. I remember, for example, uh, Derby County setting a record in the English Premier League when they were relegated. That was known, and it was it wasn't just the results; it was the the, the sheer the depth of their defeats that was so convincing. But with Scar, I don't feel it's quite the same. It's just it's just it's worked out that way that they just haven't been able to get over the line on a number of occasions. Do you, do you remember, guys? Think of this. Remember the beginning of the season. Right, Zanit mm. won that first game two nil, um, and but after that, Scar were a fairly hard team to beat, and they they had a few uh, a few points picked up. Well, there. sorry to and interrupt actually, you, Andrew, but that game against Zanit was not an easy game for Zanit either. I, no, I remember no, I remember watching that. That was you know it was not a comfortable game for them at all. No, I mean in that game, Juan Lescano um, hit a Rabona against the bar. I yeah. remember. Um, and I think it was, I believe it was nil-nil at half time. You know, they, they yeah. were a hard team to beat beginning of the season. Yeah. And the second half of the season, yes, they did lose their 10 games. They didn't score a single goal. That in itself sound, that's, that's sort of three quarters of the story, if you like, for me. There was still some close, but not quite close enough, um, results, but that's their chance. They've had their chance and it's gone. And I don't see them ever coming back, to be honest. You don't, to me, Oh, sorry. Do we have time, Mano? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was just gonna ask if they're gonna come back, but let's go with you first, Tim. I just, I also analyzed a little bit the last years, and um, I just realized that it's impossible to stay in the Russian Premier League if you uh, go with a squad which you uh, won or got the no. second place from FNL. It's been so many examples, and I went back, I think I went back about 10 years, and I looked at the teams who didn't do any transfers and who didn't buy any experienced players, they all got relegated. I started with my hometown team, Sibir Novosibirsk, which was almost 10 years ago. Uh, they didn't do any transfers. They got out. Uh, then uh, we had uh, last year, not very recent, Orenburg didn't make any transfers. Same story. Uh, then we had Skahabarovsk. Uh, and uh, there was quite a few examples like that when you look back and the teams who didn't have money or d decided to stick with the, uh, the squad which they had back in FNL, nobody can stay there. It's just, it just impossible. It just shows that if you want to stay in FPL and when you're moving from FNL, you, you have to buy those experienced players who at least know how their league works. What we've been talking kind of what was the caveat of the whole episode. You need to know how the league works. Mancini didn't, Sermin did. Madrak hmm. Bowers does know how that and same goes for the players. Um, they, you need to stay in their FPL. You need experience. Oh, no, this, this is a good point because let's, let's go to the other teams, right? Uh, I'm Kapam. We thought they would be dead and buried by now, right? Because they had so many yeah. fi financial issues, but. Um, they have now a second shot, more or less, to stay in the league. And it's because they 
or they had they have that more experience in that side right they there is just there's more substance to that squad um unlike scar and you're quite right because not only did scar not um they they had to go through the relegation playoffs to get to the to the league right um last season so that's already that's not yeah. the second place they were i think they didn't they finish fourth um something like that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they were the fourth finish team um in in fnl so yeah you're quite right that the drop becomes significant between the two competitions once if you're not one of the two top teams going up so it's it's a very good point and i mean you saw the same with tosno once they lost uh, one or two players yeah. in the winter that was that was it for them you know they just couldn't compete anymore because there was a time when they were quite competitive and um i mean when you look at the table they only got straight relegated behind Anji Mahashkala because of the worst goal differential. You know, it's, it's, it's small little margins that make the difference in the end. Um, so exactly. it, it's a very interesting point that you bring that up. And I think that's, that's really one of the big issues too. There is such a disparity between the top flight in Russia and then the, of course, the second division in terms of money. And I mean, we're talking about that because we don't know what the future is for Tosno. They might not have enough money to play in the second division. And we see this all, all the time that, Tom Tomsk, remember them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. A time goes up. Then has all, yeah, Chimki, exactly another side, because it, it's very hard to make money in the second division. So it's really interesting that you bring up because it's a very good point, but I think Skaha are going to be fine next year, um, in the, in the second division. And I think they are a typical second division club. I think they'd be the most comfortable there. Um, there's more clean teams from east, from the eastern side of the country playing in the second division. So it's a little bit easier on travel. A little bit easier on cost, so I think they'd be just a better offside. And they are also, not, technically speaking, one of the uh, academy sides for CSKA, right? They have that development deal, so um, I think it'd be just better better for them to play down there. But um, boys, I want to get to the drama, the nitty gritty. <laughs> I I love promotion relegation playoffs as long oh, as, as, as as long as my team is not part of it. They're fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a little caveat, Manner. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because <laughs> I had to, of course, go through that drama last year. I'm glad I don't have to next this year. Although I am going to a promotion relegation match on Thursday, so tomorrow with Chris Williams. Uh, here in the Bundesliga, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the tears, the drama. Yeah, Manu, and all that. can I can I just interject on this one? You're yeah. going to enjoy that because you know exactly what is going to happen at the final whistle. Yeah, someone is going. You down. know who's going up and down at the final whistle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be my side. <laughs> it is, but honestly, I call it the I call it 180 minutes of fear, um, because it is right. Because the, the teams basically played a full season. So in Russia, we have four teams involved in this. And a lot of countries, it's only, it's only one or only two, right? In Germany, for example, it's only two. In England, they have, of course, the, the playoffs, um, not between the two teams from each division, but playoffs inside just the division. Um, still, you know, in the end, one missed free kick, one wrong penalty call can decide an entire season. Now, if that isn't drama, baby, then I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I personally, if my teams are not involved in it, it's it's fantastic stuff. When they are involved, oh my god, uh, that's just the worst thing because you're basically sitting there. I remember last year when 1860 were involved, I hid in a restaurant where there was no uh, Wi-Fi, so I couldn't watch it um, because I couldn't. It's just nail biting. But yeah, let's talk about the four teams in this, guys, um, because we got Yanisai Krasnoyarsk against Anshin Mahachkala. Um, that's some geographically, geographic extremes, <laughs> because we got another team from the very east, um, play the team from the very south in the Caucasus. So this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be some traveling. Um, then we got Amka Kapiram against Tampov. And I have to be honest, I know absolutely nothing about Tampov. Um, this is one of those sides where I'm like, how did they get into this? <laughs> Um, and I think I have. You think we have a specialist? I, I, we do I, I have a specialist. <laughs> we have an FNL specialist on this podcast. Andrew, tell us who are Tampa. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I tell you one thing. I can tell you about Tampa, or two things actually. Um, I actually, I actually know the um, the general manager of a second division side who have sent two players to Tampa this season. Um, so they certainly are a side that do look around. 
um, the lower lower leagues for players, so they they have that vision, if you like, for for building their squad. Also, they are the former uh, former team hometown team of Yuri Zhirkov and mm. uh, and also Andrei Pavlenka, who was FC Chumen captain this season um, until he left for Luchena Gia. Um, so they have absolutely sterling pedigree for players. Um, now, in terms of this season, I haven't actually seen them this, uh, live this season. Uh, I didn't see them when they came to Chumen, so um, they probably won, no doubt. But um, I think, realistically, Yenisei have a much, much stronger chance, in my view. Um, partly for two reasons. One, the distance travelled. They, they will have to travel, I, I believe it is something like two and a half to three times the distance that Amkar will to Tambov. Um and plus, Amkar, I just have more faith in them with their defence. Anzi's defence is, is absolutely atrocious. So, um, Tambov, yeah, you, you never know. These playoffs are very hard to mm-hmm. predict. Um, and I, I've seen a fair few of them already. Uh, I saw Ural's relegation playoff when uh, Fyodor Smolov had... Well, he had actually left by then. Um, he had joined Krasadar at that point. But I saw them in Chumen, um against Tom Tomsk. And it was a very subdued, low-key affair. Uh, very, very low paced, um, not enough urgency really, very surprising. So we'll see what happens. But um, Tambov, I don't have much expectation of getting a result here. Yeah, Tambov, uh, interesting. So they finished with 68 points, four points in fourth place, four points ahead of Baltica, um, a side that some of us expected to maybe get that promotion spot because they have a World Cup stadium. I'm not suggesting that the, the, the authorities are helping them. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the two teams finishing in the top, Orenburg with 84 and Krylia Sovetov. I, so Orenburg we had last year, right? In the, in the top mm-hmm. flight. One of those teams that actually managed to survive. Some gas, gas pro money helping there. Um, I'm, I'm assured. Krylia Sovetov, of course, a really historic side going back up. It's going to be great to see them back in the, in the top flight. World Cup Stadium. So we're going to have a World Cup Stadium next year in the, in the top division. That's good. Um, but they finished with 82 points and Yenisai only was one point behind them. So Yenisai, this is a good side. That's Anshi Machachkala facing. By Dmitry Alenichev, who is the former Spartak man. And Kirill Sovetov is managed by Andrei Tikhanov, another Spartak legend. So there you go. A, a good rap, but I, I was, I expect, and Andrew, you have some more info about, um, some of the story behind this match, Yenisai Krasnoyarsk against Anshi Machachkala. Um, there's a lot to be played for, and Yenisai probably have a pretty good chance, um, going through, uh, on this one, don't they? Well, I, I think they do, certainly. Um, I mean, it's uh, I, I pay it, like you mentioned, I, I have a focus on the FNL because I follow um, uh, Fekar Chumen, um, my home side. And, you know, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of friends and contacts who who um, are interested in uh, they gamble on uh, Russian football. And a lot of the betting markets have shown some very, very strange activity um, over the second legs. So, I mean, it, I'm almost tired of saying this, but it it, it does happen. There's no mm. point trying to get around it, um, because you know, I think the I think the reason why these sort of matches get this sort of attention is that a lot of people think, well, it's going to fly under the radar, and they might basically be able to get away with it. Um, now, for clubs like Yenisei, um, whatever, I'm not I'm not suggesting that they are complicit, but the players, you know, the players at this level almost any sort of money is going to make a huge amount of difference to them. And they are very susceptible um, to people who would look to take advantage. So what I'm saying about this one is Angie have to travel all the way to Krasnoyarsk for that first leg. Um, and I, I realistically think that Yenisei will, I think they will get a result here. I think, I think they will win the first leg. And, and once they've got that result, all they have to do is just dig their heels in um, against the side that, is it fluctuates in form fairly wildly, Angie, it has to be said, um, and who conceded uh, uh, five goals in the last game of the season. So I think the NSA have a genuinely very, very good chance. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I hope it is a legitimate above-board result for both legs, but unfortunately those are the sort of things that cannot be guaranteed, and we know how much money dictates uh, things at this level with licenses being granted or turned down. So 
Um, yeah, I think that is definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, and if the NSA do come up, like you mentioned, the distances mm. will be enormous. So uh, it's something that Premier League clubs will be probably backing Angie on. But as far as I'm concerned, the NSA deserve it. They've been at the top of the Feniel for a few years now, and they deserve their chance. Yeah, and it, that, that's you mentioned the distances and the 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 RFPL clubs not being too happy because now, of course, um, one team from the far east is going down and another is coming up. Not quite as far east, but still lots of. Traffic. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm from there. I'm from Novosibirsk. It's not that bad, my friend. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. They hey, can fly. Tim, I love that story. Like, let them fly. You know, have a team uh, from every region of the country. The FNL has teams from every region of the country. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I just know that uh, the big clubs in Moscow don't like it. So They don't, they don't. But then, then maybe if they don't like it, they should play in a different country. You know, if Russia, <laughs> Russia is a big place. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, but maybe, guys, to wrap this up, let's uh, let's talk about when these games are. They are May 17th is the, the first legs. Um, UTC kickoff is at 3 and it's at 5.30. So you can actually watch them both if you're interested to watch them. And then the second legs are May 20th. Uh, kickoffs UTC... Uh, 2100 and 1800. Um, so again, you can watch them both, which is good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I personally, as I said, I love promotion relegation games if my clubs are not involved. So go tune in. It's going to be interesting. You might be able to see some funny looking goals because one of the games could be, <laughs> could be turned. We never know. It's Russian football. Everything is possible. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, do a little update maybe on this uh, next week when we when we start really going the nitty gritty stuff of the World Cup, um, and I'm excited for that. But boys, until then, um, where can people find you? What can what have you been up to, Andrew? You go first. Uh, well, I'll be piling headlong into previews for the World Cup, and um, it's, it's all about the it's all about the biggest show on earth now. So. Um, previous for football grad, um, I'm doing a few freelance things that will get me around the country, around the tournament. So I'll probably be posting on a fair few different channels, but, um, I will certainly let people know. But previous for football grad is the main thing at the moment. Um, and on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint. And I also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to see a bit of the country in the next, uh, couple of months during the World Cup, follow my YouTube channel and I'll show you a little bit myself. And where can people find that, Andrew, the YouTube channel? Um, I know it's going to sound pretty dreadful, but I can't remember exactly what you do. You <gasps> think you just, um, I think it's just uh, Andrew, just search for Andrew Flint. Andrew Midge Flint at gmail.com is my email, just linked to the account, so that should do the job. Excellent stuff. And Tim, how about you? Well, I'm getting excited for the World Cup. I'm, I'm staying in Canada, uh, but uh, I already got my mom bought me a present yesterday, Panini sticker uh, magazine. So I'm going to be collecting stickers and learning everything about the, uh, some uh, Mar Moroccan or Senegalese players, which I never heard before. Uh, but in all seriousness, I'm very excited for the pre series of previews, which we'll be doing for full Belgrad. I am already started doing a little bit of research because, um, yeah, this is going to be huge. And yeah, just listen to the future episodes where we get a preview the World Cup and the, as ever we will focus a little bit on not the most common we're not gonna spend lots of time on previewing Brazil and Spain we'll spend a lot of time previewing the countries which you never heard before and this is where our value comes in oh absolutely and I you know I got the Panini album too and in Germany they have oh the, they have a hardcover one in Germany Tim I saw I got yeah I saw that on the on the on the Instagram mine is soft cover I already disappointed like you know like because everything is better better in Germany Oh, there's a special edition. I got it because I'm gonna take it all through Russia and then maybe get the, get some signatures as well. But good to know that you have the stickers as well because apparently it's the same numbers in every in every country, so we can trade some extras. Ooh, okay, okay, uh, nice. Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll so get on that action too. I'll uh, do that too. Please. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Andrew, when we meet up in Russia, bring your extras because I I already got Harry Kane twice. <laughs> oh, I don't have Hurricane. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, boys, that's it. Um, you can find this podcast, um, all the other podcasts that we do. Chris and I just recorded one in the Olympia Stadion on Sunday. Um, so you can find that all at Football Grad Live. The preview for the, uh, relegation playoff that I mentioned is on 
fußballstadt.com. Chris is typing it up as we speak because I told him that he has to type it up. Um, so that's being typed up right now. Um, yeah, I guess there will be whoever wins these promotion playoffs in Russia will have specials on them as well. So lots and lots of content all at Football Grad Live. You can follow me at Manuel Web. Um, contact us if you have any questions, any ideas, article ideas, etc., etc., etc. You can email us at contact at footballgrad.com um, or tweet at us at footballgradlive again. Yeah, that's it, boys. Um, until next week. Dos vidanje. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.